Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Fellow fiends, welcome to another terrifying and delectable episode of Nightmare on Film Street. The horror podcast with zero credibility, but all of the blood, ghouls, and gore. Your puny heart can handle. <laughs> Let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street. I'm John. I'm Kim. And you better get your umbrellas out this week, because we are in for some inclement weather. Woo! Yeah, we're sitting down. We're talking about... 2007's <laughs> Don't The say Mist. Two, don't say the year, Kim. Yeah, we're talking about Frank Darabont's The Mist. And John Carpenter's The Fog. I don't know why I said it like that. I don't know either. I'm keeping it. Yeah. Before we get into it, though, Kim, what's keeping you creepy this week? Well, we are hot on the heels of the Meg, if the Meg had heels, uh, but she's a fish, so she's got... Flins? Flippers? Flins. Yeah, she's got flins. Fins. Hot on those fins. Um, big surprise. We did not love the film. If you want to check out our review, it is on... Well, if you want to check out my review, it is on nofspodcast.com. We have also recorded a Patreon-exclusive episode for you guys, and that is on patreon.com slash nightmareonfilmstreet, and that is exclusive to our monthly supporters over there. You can check out all the rewards and perks and stuff if you aren't a Patreon supporter. And if you are, you can check out that bonus episode. There's also going to be a bonus episode for today's episode. We got a game going, so there's all kinds of stuff there for Patreon. But yeah, The Meg. I'm trying not to talk about it at all because uh, it was a movie. I I didn't love it. <laughs> I wanted... One thing's for sure, it was a movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it wasn't as campy B-movie fun as I wanted it to be. And then it was, like, surprisingly heartfelt, but they didn't even nail that part. So, like, it just, it wasn't great. And that's always the worst when a film is just not great. It's a bummer, too, because we were planning on seeing it uh, at the drive-in. 
after seeing it at the movie theater. We yeah, we had plans to do a double a double visit this weekend. We were yeah. going to see it uh, the Thursday night so that we could record our bonus episode and get the review out and whatever. And then we were going to go see it like just for pure like shark movie fun at the drive-in this weekend. And it's not happening. Yeah, I don't want to see that movie. Again. It's not a fun shark movie. I don't know if it if it's earned drive-in ranks. We saw 47 Meters Down at the drive-in last summer, and that was such a fun experience because we had no expectations for the movie, and it was surprisingly good. It was like pouring rain, though, so we saw none of the movie, and I was like, that was good. I hope the CGI was great because I I couldn't see a single shark. We saw it through water. It's like we were there with Mandy Moore the whole time. 4D. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Other than that, of course, we are still watching movies from Fantasia Fest. Uh, if you'd like to see the updated review count, we have reviews for a whole host of new movies at nofspodcast.com. Just search Fantasia. And we, we also saw The Ranger, finally. Our, our senior contributor, Stephanie, has been singing the praises of that movie for months now. And it's been on my watch list. And we've just always missed it at every festival. So I'm really glad I finally got to see it. It's coming for a limited release in New York and L.A. if you are in that area. But it will also be on VOD soon. If you would like to know what you're in for, just search The Ranger at NOFS Podcast and check out Stephanie's review and her interview with the director, Jen Wexler. Before we get started, I have a few more... We have a few more shout-outs for... Let's be honest. You have a few more shout-outs. I am not good at these shout-outs. Oh, no, no. I thought it was your turn this week. You were going to (laughs) do it. Yeah, okay. So before we get started, I want to give a big shout-out to our new patrons, Chris, Joshua, Carlos, Christian F., Tyler and Christian V, two Christians, that's double cool. Christians, and we have a Chris. That's three Chrises. <laughs> what if two of them are doppelgangers for the and, other? And they're gonna meet on Patreon. They're gonna be like, "Wait, I'm the only Chris that's allowed to like Nightmare on Film Street." And then they fight. We have a bunch of Chrises though. We yeah, it's a popular name. Yeah, we got a like we have an army of Chrises, and we're Nightmare gonna need on, that Nightmare on Chris Street. <laughs> I would make that shirt. <laughs> Chris on Film Street. Nightmare on film, Chris? But yeah, we're gonna need an army of Chris's because we got a whole shit ton of monsters outside. Chris! The first Chris! <laughs> I need... <laughs> I need you to board up the windows. Joshua, we need some supplies. Carlos, we know one of us is gonna get attacked by monsters or die in a fire. I need the morphine and I need the Demerol right now before it's way too hard to go across the street and find it. Christian, both of you guys... Uh, take the kids over to the corner and read them bedtime stories. Tyler, we gotta start fashioning some weapons. (laughs) I need some makeshift MacGyver hand weapons to fight off these monsters. Preferably really long ones, because I I do not want to get up close and personal with these uh, alien slash pirate monsters. But we know we're gonna get into a tussle with them, so I'm gonna need your help. We got a uh, armor. That's the first. I'll do the armor. You weapons. Uh, everybody's got a job to do. It's it's not complicated or <laughs> convoluted at all. <laughs> Let's get to it, folks. Thank you guys again for supporting us on Patreon. As I said at the top of the show, if you would like to support us, head to patreon.com slash Nightmare on Film Street. There's a full bonus episode of us discussing The Meg, and there's also going to be a bonus mini-sode where we play a game relating to The Mist and the Fog at the end of this show. Yeah. Uh, Can I just say that uh, even after that fake little rant, I would not be the fearless leader. (laughs) 
I'm the guy who, like... Are you still talking about your Patreon scenario? Yeah, I'm the guy who finds a gun and hides it and then takes it out at the end but accidentally shoots himself with it. Well, you know, that's pretty fair, though, because if you were the fearless leader and this is a missed scenario, that means you'd be, like, uh, a religious crazy bigot. Or Thomas Jane. So either I'm responsible for the deaths of lots of people or just my son and Murdering your immediate friends and family. Okay. I think I'm coming out all right on this. Sounds like I'm Toby James. Is that his name? Is that his name? I don't know. Toby Jones? What? He's the guy who's got really good accuracy. Well, hopefully we find out later in this episode where we did (laughs) research, I hope. (laughs) Just in case you were wondering, we do totally record these intros, like, right before we put the episode out, so... Everything else is recorded beforehand. Sometimes, like, life happens um, in between. Like, we forget all of the actors' and characters' names. Without further ado, let's get into some shitty weather right now. Fog doesn't make that sound. No. Fog is quiet, John. Fog is polite also. (laughs) That's more like fog. That's the sound of fog, yeah. Actually, you know, that sounds a little bit more like mist. Okay, so what's the fog? Like, No, my joke was that they're the same fucking thing. Mm-hmm. They will both go. This is KAB Antonio Bay. Stevie Wayne here. And let me be the first to wish Antonio Bay a happy birthday. We're 100 years old today. And keep a watch out for that fog bank heading in from the east. 100 years ago, between midnight and one, something unknown came out of the fog. Now it has returned. Jesus. One hundred years ago, between midnight and one, something unnatural came out of the fog. Now it has returned. One hundred years ago, between midnight and one, something evil came out of the fog. Now it has returned. Who's there? The fog. Antonio Bay has a curse on it. We're all cursed. Directed by John Carpenter, The Fog is currently sitting at a 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb, 70% on Rotten Tomatoes, 2 out of 4 from Roger Ebert, and 3.5 out of 5 on Letterboxd. I don't know if I had ever seen The Fog. I'm sure I have, but and I was just expecting when we watched it for it to just jog my memory and me be like, oh yeah, I totally remember this. Um, that didn't happen. Have you seen the remake with Superman? Uh, well, that doesn't jog any memory. <laughs> but yeah, I have seen the remake. I don't know if I remember much about it. If not Big Trouble in Little China, I think The Fog is the first John Carpenter movie that I had ever seen. That's funny. I remember really liking it as a kid, like really liking it. Yeah, I mean, it would be a really fun kind of kid watch. This is so, this is such a bad example, but the entire movie reminded me of, um, there's this Garfield okay. <laughs> Halloween special and him and Odie end up on this boat and they go to this old, um, like rickety house and this creepy guy by the fire tells them the story about this pirate who's coming who's going to come for their gold because it's been like a hundred years or whatever and then these ghost pirates come and they sing a really dope song uh, their booty. yeah and it's 
the whole the whole story is about these ghost pirates coming back to claim the gold that was stolen from them. There was also like a novelization of it that I had when I was really? a kid. Yeah, it was exactly the same like panels from the cartoon. Huh. I was really Wait, obsessed with a, that, and yeah. now I learned that it might just be... You know, Garfield's is really old, though, so I can't say that it was a ripoff of The Fog, but um, it's got that cool lore about it. The Fog starts with somebody telling these kids this story about the legend of The Fog. It's the legend of the ship that's been sunk a hundred years ago tonight. Yeah, well, you know what I mean. Yeah. The legend of the movie, The Fog. <laughs> okay, sure, yeah, exactly. He explains the story and what to expect. Yeah, and that that's really great because this whole film hinges on kind of an urban legend of this port town, this old, isolated, small town by the water. Mm-hmm. Did you happen to read anywhere that that beginning, that opening sequence was a reshoot? I did. Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't like it when we were watching it, but at the end of it, I appreciated. it. I was oh, like, I really why are we, it. what is happening? I love it. It's, it makes it feel like a horror anthology, like a really long segment in a horror anthology. To me, at least. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, after we finished the movie, I was like, oh, because it's a legend. So I got it. You got it. <laughs> Apparently a third of this movie is reshoots to make it gorier, to make it make more sense, and just to explain it better. I can see where there are parts of it that maybe wouldn't have worked had they not have really focused on stitching together the story better. Mm -hmm. Because there are a lot of, there's a lot of jumping to conclusions of characters. Especially Adrienne Barbeau's character. Yeah, she's very intuitive from she her figures point it at, all the bottom, out. Yeah, at the bottom of a hill with, like, the vantage point of one bay, and that's it. I want to talk about that for a second, right? So she's broadcasting the only radio station in town. Mm -hmm. And it's it, only... She makes her own hours, first off. She owns this radio station, and she's like, you know what would be great? Five to midnight. Yeah, one DJ <laughs> just a few hours in the middle of the night. Or five to one AM, my mistake. Because <laughs> she's got to cover the witching hour. Which is so what... she can use her cool radio voice. Super cool, but mostly sexy, but also a little bit tired voice. <laughs> Keep me turned on, and I'll do my best to return the favor, or something is what she says. <laughs> I don't even remember. Even the characters in the movie shake their head at it. They're like, okay, yeah, whatever. No, they don't. Tom Atkins does. Tom Atkins seems like a dad. He picks up Jamie Lee Curtis as a hitchhiker. So that's what I wanted to say, though. We were still on the how the plot doesn't make sense. Okay, I'm, I'm jumping around. I actually... Editing-wise, <laughs> if you wanted to cut from this film, um, the hitchhiker and the hitchhiker-y, the picker-upper of hitchhikers... Yeah, what is that? Apart from them discovering mm. the body on this boat that they're on for some reason... Isn't it his boat? Or, like, they're his friends, at least. Well, he goes on a boat, but then they discover this abandoned boat, and, like, as per boatly code, you have to go and wait for the Coast Guard. But, we're, get, we're getting ahead. But, so, <laughs> that, but, <sighs> they don't really need to be in the story. Not at all. They're, I guess it's just to have extra characters in this town to follow, because we follow the mayor. Yeah. Who is played by Janet Lee, who is mm -hmm. Jamie Lee Curtis's mom, and Jamie Lee Curtis is the hitchhiker. Yeah. And they meet at one point, and there's this really weird scene <laughs> where I think that's the only time they're together apart from the church at the very end. I think so. Where they're going to tell the mayor, Janet Lee, that shit's gone down, and her husband, who was on the boat, is essentially dead. Yep. Uh, 
And then the camera pans, and Jamie Lee Curtis has been there the entire time, just, like, hanging out off camera. At the camera. bar, yeah. <laughs> just, just off camera. Well, everybody's like, oh my god, emergency! And she's like, I'm just gonna stay out of this. I'm shell-shocked. <laughs> a dead body... Okay, well, I mean, a dead body lunged at her, and then wrote the number three on the ground. What is this stranger doing in an odd case? Let's go from the beginning. Okay, let's, let's back. Okay. Let's back up a little bit. Backing up. So... It's April 1st, 21st? April it's, uh, 21st. It is 99 days away oh. from the anniversary of the sinking of the Elizabeth Dane ship that was filled with lepers. Hold on a second. Mm-hmm. 99 days away? 99 years. Years. And oh. 364 days. Oh. Unless it's a leap year. <laughs> so we are on the eve of the anniversary is what you're saying. Uh, precisely. Got it. <laughs> We're locked in now. And because ghosts are coming... All of the electrical appliances. Nobody knows ghosts are coming. Uh, I like. I really want to try and think about this movie from the perspective of like that. No, I really want a station attendee. (laughs) Yeah, he's 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 definitely in for a wild ride. No, I'm thinking about watching this movie without that cold open. So it's midnight. Is is where the movie starts, Mm -hmm. and everybody's closing up. There's a guy at church who's cleaning, and he's like, hey, father, I'm going home. By the way, my name's John Carpenter. Look it, at my cool hair. Yeah, you owe, like, me, you owe me money, cool. bro. <laughs> he's got a big mustache. But it's a, yeah. Things of no, mustache. <laughs> it's, a, it's a sleepy town. Everybody's getting tired. Everybody's closing up shop very late. And, like, maximum overdrive, the fog's rolling in, and it's causing all the electrical appliances to go haywire. The fog didn't roll in the first night, though, did it? It did, because, so, Adrian Barbeau, Stevie... DJ Stevie Wayne. DJ Stevie Wayne is at work, and the weatherman calls in to let her know that there's a boat in distance that can hear her. Oh, right. And there's a fog headed their way. And so she mentions something about it in between her weird cool jazz songs. Like a cool, sultry weather report. Just yeah. for those guys on the boat. <laughs> and then the fog changes direction <laughs> after killing everybody on board. But but while that's happening in town, like lights are She's flashing. She's just going off for no reason. Like this gas station is getting some serious paranormal experiences. Yeah, the car hoist is going up and down. Banks All of payphones are ringing. Every clock in the city is broken. Well, that's for ominous reasons, which will have purpose. But the the whole gas station stuff, like all those cars in a row, the gas just like, bleh. yeah. So that's just ominous for no reason. Like, that's not they even are electricity. Not hellbent on like revenge against gas stations. We're gonna waste your gas. Oh, and the occasional cut back to see exactly how much money is being spilled out under the ground. Like, <laughs> oh my god, they wasted four dollars and eighty one cents of petrol. What are we gonna do? We just That'd came be- out of a gas crisis. This is absurd. <laughs> that would be like six hundred dollars right now probably um so father malone who's in this church at the top of the hill drinking alone also has this paranormal experience where the wall in his church just like busts out let's assume there was an earthquake and there's a journal in it and the journal is a very recent written journal if you look at it okay they could have at least simmer down (laughs) just simmer down we've all done the crafts (laughs) and it's his grandfather's or his great grand i guess it's his grandfather can't be it's a hundred years Grandfather. Yeah. It could be great-grandfather. Should be a great-grandfather. Yeah, maybe back then it was cool. So, yeah. They, what, did they have children what? when they were, like, 12? Okay, well, let's think about it. He's, he's probably 12 plus- 60, his dad. Let's just assume everybody had kids at, well, fuck, it was pretty old. His ancestor okay. found, wrote this book where he tells of the um, the Elizabeth Dane boat that came in the coast 
And at the head of it was this leper guy named Blake, who was a leper. By the way, I looked up leprosy. That shit is scary. Have you and never... curable. Well, now. Yeah. Back then, it was like, we'll put them on an island, and they'll And they disappear. made these colonies for them, and that's what Blake wanted to do. He's like, well, we're just going to make a lepo- leper colony. Colony? Yep. <laughs> really close to you guys, like, close enough that you guys could get infected, but not that close. And the t- It can't travel across the bay. Uh, well, I'm going to get on leprosy, but the town was like, no, we're not, we're not having that. So the six founding members of the town deliberately sunk that boat and yes. killed all the lepers. Yeah. Um, but they were coming with gold, right? Like, hey, we're going to, we're going to start an We're going to colonize. We got but our shit. I thought, I thought the idea was they were going to give them some money. Like, here's um, payment for our colony. I don't know. And but either like, way, they, they took the money. Oh yeah, they sure and did. And then they fashioned a giant gold cross out of it. Yeah, they were like. It's a little, that was, a, that was a little in poor taste, guys. <laughs> I think they had regrets. You could have at least used it to build an orphanage or something. Use the, oh, to pay for building an orphanage. It's like, or how are you going to build an orphanage out of gold? Uh, turns out, though, leprosy is not as highly contagious as people. No thought it to be the the common denomination between people who have leprosy and people don't was poverty uh so that's why it looked like people were catching it from each other because they were all living in bacteria yeah not necessarily like touching each other like it's not as contagious as assumed i i guess it's not as more than like a common cold it's pretty messed up though right that's so terrible. Like, instead of dealing with... The, well, I guess they didn't have a cure for it. They're just like, we're just going to put you on your own. Yeah. You're going to go over there. We're going to use our golds and pray. And surely we'll be fine. Yeah, like, I feel maybe this could have been prevented, at least in, like, Middle Ages times, by, like, the soap program where they dole out soap and like <laughs> yeah but i mean back then the idea that there were tiny little microbes That's and bacteria that you couldn't see invisible to the human eye they ever like which <laughs> well yeah like they lobotomized people for that oh. the guy who was like hey we're killing a lot of women by dealing with corpses and then delivering babies they 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 pretty much put him in a mental institution for his entire life that's crazy. I'm, that's, that's I'm reading nice. this book about reviving corpses. Yeah. And the first I don't know person, if it's revive is it reviving corpses or is it reviving revive, people who are drowned? Reviving the newly dead. Okay. I'm sorry. Um <laughs> but the first ever documented case of reviving somebody who's been clinically dead, they blew air from the fireplace like up her nethers. Like they they pumped her with air. Like Weird. they had no it was just So they used one of those old fashioned like a fire like a, puffer. Like Korean fire yeah. puffers, yeah. And they like put it inside her and you're like, what science are you even like it's like they just gave these doctors a new corpse and they're like, figure it out. And they're like, Go we're just that. gonna try some shit. Yeah. Uh please don't watch. <laughs> we tried yelling at it. We tried spitting on it. We're all out of ideas. We're gonna blow smoke up its butt. Yeah, like imagine so I'm sure people who come back from being clinically dead have some kind of PTSD. But imagine coming back and you're like naked and defiled. Yeah. This is really extra, guys. But it's not even necessarily that that was something they tried. It's that was common belief for a long time, right? And Didn't they have posts outside of rivers? Like, hey, in case your friend drowns, here's a tube and you can blow, f- blow some smoke up there. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm almost positive that was but, something that you would so- find by the riverbed. They had pocket watches back then. They were really fond of pocket watches. Okay. When a pocket watch fails, it stops ticking. So maybe let's just, let's just use some rudimentary pocket watch math. If you stop breathing and your heart stops beating, those key things that 
are involved in living and also pocket watches. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying they should know that it's involved in the heart and the lungs. Like, in the least, like, pump, pump, breathe, breathe. <laughs> Do you think they blew smoke up their butts and then tried to pump their lungs? And then they were just like, Do you think they were sure. trying to dry water? Like, you know what dries oh. water? Smoke. <laughs> Smoke them out. That's really weird. I don't know. I I love that none of the, these tubes went down their mouth. <laughs> they were like, you know the most direct route to the lungs? The, the butt. butt. <laughs> oh, a simpler time. Yeah, but you know what? In 200 years, they're going to do the same thing with our science and medicine. So oh, absolutely. That'll be interesting. The big one is going to be cancer treatments. Like, once we figure out like, stem cells or mini-robots or whatever is that's gonna stop cancer, they're gonna be like, why the fuck were we poisoning people? Yeah, like, x-rays, like, this causes cancer! What are you doing? That's like saying you have heartburn and drinking a bottle of vinegar. <laughs> like, you know what you need? Onions. <laughs> Rub it on your butt, like... <laughs> so Father Malone gets this book, reads it, and he's like, oh, no. He doesn't even read the whole thing. He can't bring himself to, because we've got to at least get to the end of the movie. But he doesn't do anything about it until he calls the mayor well and but literally until they're knocking on his door <laughs> and the fog is at their is like at their heels the so then the radio station fog changes pattern the impossible radio station the impossible ra- i really like that lighthouse though down all those steps or whatever it really looks cool it looks great but how are you supposed to broadcast anything the lowest point of your town. I know. It, the, like, you would be sending it just to the people on the beach below. <laughs> Hello, beachgoers. I'd like to see that there's one or two of you today. That's nice. <laughs> it would be better you have to... radios on? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just a crazy person in a lighthouse. <laughs> she is kind of just a crazy person in a lighthouse. I mean, I gotta say, though, like, if you could go on, like, Monster.ca or Kijiji or anywhere. Looking like, for a lighthouse keeper who also has sweet, sexy, sultry voice. Okay, yeah, well, just, like, the idea of being a lighthouse keeper and a radio DJ, that sounds fucking cool. What would you put on your resume? Like, what's cooler? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, like, I fought demons and also was a radio DJ in a lighthouse. Like, what was that? Radio DJ in a lighthouse? Like, like, lying. Like, Next. <laughs> <laughs> no one's this cool. <laughs> It's it's an interesting job. Like if lighthouses were up really high and in the middle of your town, like what what a better way to combine a boring position with a funner, also boring position? <laughs> so she warns these guys on this boat, yeah, that the fog's rolling in because her weatherman gave her the scoop. Yep, she hopes that they've heard it, um, and eventually the fog just sort of leaves the boat alone and goes away. Because they've come in and murdered everybody on board. And yeah, it was just a bunch. It was just a bunch of guys on the boat drinking, right? Like, yeah, they, they they weren't actually fishing. They were just <laughs> getting away from their wives. By the sound of it, especially the guy whose wife is the mayor. She's <laughs> like, ah, uh, I'm drunk enough. We can finally go home. Like that sounds like an awful night. These guys hate their lives. And I can't imagine fish are like crazy active at midnight. But whatever. I don't um, know anything about fish. Yeah, I think it's just, like, dusk and dawn are, like, the times for all animals in their weird activities. Yeah. So, during all of this kind of first night hubbub, mm-hmm. Jamie Lee Curtis, hitchhiker Elizabeth, gets picked up by Nick Castle, who's not Nick Castle, who played Mike Myers in Halloween, yeah, but Tom Atkins, who's playing a character named Nick Castle. Yeah. He picks her up. They're driving, and they're being all, like, 
nice and friendly and a little bit flirty. He is drinking a beer, which oh, yeah. I know, guys, it's 1980. It was a different time, but still. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like, even if you're the hitchhiker who desperately needs a ride, you get in and the guy goes, hey, you want a sip? You're like... Well, no. And they do take road drinks with them. I swear they do when they're at that bar. Really? Like, can I get a few roadies? (laughs) All right, cool. Thanks. Inexplicably, the windows all blow out. You're like, oh, my God, shit's going down. But no, we cut to them at his house. They've just slept together. And like, oh, as well. Yeah, but he narrowly avoids getting his head cut off because the clock strikes one. Yeah, so somebody's ominously, politely knocking (laughs) at his door. Why do they knock? Why can't they just break down? They smashed all the windows in his truck, but they're like, hey, I know that the the door is a little more expensive, harder to get. Hardware stores closed on Sundays, right? I'm going to at least knock. Yeah, there's something polite about that. But it, like, that was a bunch of really cool shots, though, of the shadow of the, like, undead fisherman and his fishery hook yeah. and tapping on the thing. But then the clock stroke struck whatever time it was for the, what a clock, right? for the legend and the glass broke and then they disappear to come back the next night on the real anniversary. <laughs> that I don't get. I, I, like, I understand you want to have a scare at the beginning. I think it's stuff. for pacing. It doesn't make sense in terms of the legend. Yeah. Like, it should have all kind of happened on the first night. Maybe they showed up, like, a hundred years ago, and they're like, hello, good sirs, we have gold for you. Oh, and then um, the next night they killed them? And then the next night they killed them. Perhaps. That might be it. Like, this legend is twofold, guys, just like the OG tale. I mean, mm-hmm. occurrence. Whatever. (laughs) So the next morning, Nick Castle wants to take his new girlfriend, Elizabeth, out for a boat ride. Because I guess she's sticking around. Yeah, it sounds like she's making her way to Vancouver. There was a lot of talk about what her plans were and, like, her art and stuff. And you're like, okay, I guess she's... I was assuming she was going to be, like, a descendant or something. Oh, And it was going to be very convenient. Like, everything brought her to this spot. That sounds great. Um, Also, her name was Elizabeth, and the original boat was named Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe there is supposed to be something there. And they just like, well, it's just a... It just never got explored. (laughs) And now we're wondering what the fuck those two are doing in this movie. Yeah, so they discover the boat from last night, and it's empty, so they think. And then they discover the corpse of one of the guys, and they're like, oh, fuck. This is a really cool detail. I actually super like this in the movie. He, uh, clearly freshly dead, Mm -hmm. but shows signs of having been drowned having drowned and been left in the water for over a month. Same as the boat. Like, they said that the boat looks like it's been taking on water for months. Like it's completely dry on the inside. Everything's covered in algae and stuff. Like, it doesn't make sense for how new everything is versus how waterlogged it is. Yeah, and the fact that, obviously, they, they had seen the boat the day before. They'd seen all these guys the night before. They know everything was fine and normal, but they have this weird, supernaturally sunken boat. Yeah, so for some reason these non-next of kin are then in the autopsy room with the corpse. That doesn't make any goddamn yeah. sense. <laughs> and I, don't, he... I, I can I can maybe understand why Nick Castle is there because it's a friend of his it's a small town, they're all together, they're trying to figure this out. He's the one that found the boat. Yada yada. But why did he bring his hitchhiker this hitchhiker girl that he's known for six hours? Yeah, and they leave her alone in the room, and then the corpse gets up and, like, walks towards her. But when they come <laughs> in, so how it's cut, we don't know if they see the corpse moving towards her, because we don't really talk about ghosts at all at that point. No. We just see the corpse on the ground with his hand out, and, like, in crayon, he's drawn <laughs> three 
because the legend dictates that six must die. We know this because Adrian Barbeau has uh, a little piece of wood that her son has found on the beach that I guess she just brought to work for whatever reason. It started leaking water, and when she looks over because it's ruined her tape recorder, the words Dane have been changed to six must die. Which looked really cool. Did look good. They did kind of take over the tape recorder, though, with a weird, ominous voice. And you're like, I don't know if you guys know what tape recorders are. You have been out to sea for a hundred years. It would have been better if the voice came with the tape recorder. It was like, hey, what is... Oh, this is kind of cool. This is my own voice. Hello there. Ah, oh, wait. You I... are listening to <laughs> Ghost Radio. Antonio Bay. Oh, boy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're doing promos. Welcome to KBRBA. I don't remember the name of the radio station, but every single one of those promos was pretty awful. Why was it like promos? It was so many promos. I think she hired somebody to do promos and like, hey, fill me up a tape of promos. Legally, you have to do it every like half hour or something like that. That's... I, I don't know if this radio station is going. It's on the up, up and up. The, yeah. <laughs> Next night, uh, her weatherman boyfriend i don't think it's her boyfriend i think it's like her wannabe boyfriend he definitely like he's his... trying to take her out for dinner yeah and his whole arc is him trying to get to her but he never does no uh, he keeps he... changing his work schedule not so he can be with her but so he so can he, work he can call her inside her yeah <laughs> but like alongside her far away so he notices a fog pattern on their crazy high-tech duder. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, oh my god, the fog, it's coming, I'm telling you, it's evil. And he's like, it's and not evil. And then all of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden she knows everything about what every character is doing for the rest of the movie. Yeah, where's the fog right now? You gotta tell me. He's like, well, I think it's right here. It's right outside my door. Yeah, and then his door knocks. I better go see who that is. This and is all great. And she's on the phone, she's like, nah! <laughs> Everything's misty and blue. Oh, everything involved, like, involving the fog directly and the ghosts is awesome. Yeah. So cool and super ominous and scary. And it makes that cool, like, Halloween we had being stalked by this ominous killer. And this has stalking at this paranormal level, but that you can see mm -hmm. it turns the fog into a ghost. Yeah. Rather than seeing a figure in the background behind bushes, it's just this sinister fog rolling in. That could just as easily be regular fog. But it's not. It no. glows. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's blue in the fog. Nobody is surprised by that either. Like, hey, why is that fog blue and full of light? They're like, I don't know. Yeah, and the town is celebrating their 100th year with this, like, night ceremony. <laughs> so uh... the entire town is out doing, like, a candle celebration and the unveiling of this statue. I don't get it. Like, they, they love the town so much that they want to celebrate at midnight? I know. <sighs> that doesn't make it any sense. It sounds like they're all going to get killed by ghosts who are out for revenge at midnight. <laughs> they're really asking for Unless it. Unless there's a carnival. Like, put a couple rides there, and then it will make sense that you're there at Who's night. going to that carnival at midnight? I would. This town looks like it's full of old people, it does. a few <laughs> tired working professionals, and kids. Yeah. Everybody's in and bed. And some fishermen who need to be up at four in the morning. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Could you imagine filming most of this movie during the day, though? It would look boring. Like, so of course it's filmed at night. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, I guess that's true. So then DJ Stevie Wayne mm. 
she kind of like throws protocol to the side and she's just warning people about the fog. Yeah. She is just like screaming, get away from the fog, stay away from the fog, lock your doors or whatever. But then she realizes the fog is heading towards her house yeah. where her son and neighbor who are, who's watching him are. And instead of telling them to like lock their doors and stay inside, like she's told everybody else, she's like, get out of the house. <laughs> but they're not listening to the radio. But thankfully, the hitchhiker and Jamie Lee Curtis. Well, Jamie Lee Curtis is the is hitchhiker. The hitchhiker, so. the hitchhiker group. <laughs> yeah, Nick Castle and Elizabeth Hitchhiker are. So they like go to help. Yeah, like they're on their way somewhere else. And he slams on the brake. <laughs> Does a quick U-turn, heads right back to her place, because we gotta save this kid. Yeah, and so, and then we go to the their house, and the kid's locking all the windows, and they're scared because somebody's knocking on the door, and instead of just, you know, hiding in the corner, she sends the boy to his room, and she opens the door, and then goes out in the fog, and gets murdered by ghost fishermen. Mm-hmm. And who then come, all of them come in the house to break down this kid's bedroom door. And they start breaking it down. They're very impolite with this child. They were polite with everybody else. Yeah, they knocked for everyone else. Uh, maybe it's because they're already inside. I don't know the ghost rules here. Doesn't um, but then Nick Castle breaks down the kid's window, rescues him. They get in the truck because all the ghosts are in the house now, even though the fog is everywhere. And then Jamie Lee Curtis is now driving for convenience, but they're stuck in the mud. So there's that whole scene of them being like, no, gun it, no, reverse. And like the fog people are coming closer and closer and closer. And they're like, did you lift the parking brake? <laughs> you know, they only need to kill six people. By the sounds of it, they only want to kill six people. Yeah, what? after a hundred years, that's, I mean, I guess that's climactic. <laughs> yeah, why didn't they try and kill... Like, Freddy Krueger-style, six descendants of the people that killed them. That's what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, or even just the six people closest to the shore. Like, Adrian Barbeau would have been one of the first ones I'm to sure go. I'm sure there was another boat on the water. Yeah, the weathermen, clearly, close to the water. They never came for her. Is it because they were just like, oh, too many stairs? <laughs> what do you mean? They did come for her. You fell asleep. They oh, totally came that. for her. The end of the movie, she is on the roof of that lighthouse with two zombie fishermen I'm on the top of it. I'm sorry. I do remember that now. I was in and out. It's been a long week. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I remember how the movie ends. So, But they were they were actually pretty smart ghosts in that situation, though, because they like totally divided and conquered. Half of them went to the old church where Father Malone and crew were, because they all ended yeah, up there. everybody converged in the church. And then a couple of them were like, no, we're going to go to the lighthouse, because there's that fucking DJ who's been spoiling our shit all night. Yeah. So they go there. And so at the like the climax scene, everybody ends up at the, the old church, because the DJ is telling them where the fog is and isn't. Like, she can see it. She's got an overhead Google map of the fog's current location. Except, She's again, them, like, we've established... Lowest part of the town. She like, can just tell you where it is on the beach. She was telling them streets it wasn't on <laughs> stuff. So they all get kind of like pigeonholed to the church, which is at the top of the hill. And it's there that Father Malone tells them the story and finds this giant gold cross that was used with the gold. Yeah, it, it occurs to him that his, his ancestor was so riddled with guilt that rather than doing anything else with the gold. He hid it in the church, and he hid it in a cross. And honestly, 
some great goddamn shots at the end of this movie of him holding up the cross, trying to, like, offer it to them, uh, and sort of, like, tug-of-warring with them. It looks like it's really goddamn heavy, too. The scene where the the fog creatures are yeah. all standing in the church, like, in, in so and about the good. pews, and their eyes go red, that is fucking amazing. That's one of the things I really like about the creature reveal in the movie. We kind of know what they look like. We get a lot of arms and just, like, weapons throughout a lot of it. Mm -hmm. But as the movie goes, we see more of them in shadows. We never really see what they look like as sort of zombies with leprosy. Yeah, there is one shot where, I think it's the DJ, she swipes one of them, or kicks one of them, and his face turns into the light, and you can see that it's green, and there's, like, maggots on it but you yeah. just get a shot of like the cheek you don't see the whole creature so a lot of that's left up to your imagination based on their silhouette kind yeah of. but those eyes glowing red like you feel like you've got more by the end of the movie and it's there's nothing to it than that mm -hmm. also i mean shadows are great like i can see you cannot underestimate some shadows right you got a good fog nice floodlight behind that fog yeah, i'm down get some for your color gels you are you are a horror movie done <laughs> And we think everything's cool. They've taken their gold. They've the, the fog has receded. They disappeared. Yeah, the fog. The prophecy just... has been fulfilled. <laughs> For some reason. And six people have died by this count. Have six people died? Or yeah. five people? What is it? So we've got the three guys in the boat. Mm -hmm. The weatherman. The weatherman. The babysitter. The babysitter. And didn't they grab somebody else? I don't think so. I think it was just five. Because then. My so then. After everything's said and done, Father Malone has this, like, little reminiscing moment. He's like, I wonder why they didn't take me. <laughs> and they just took the gold. And then they overhear this and go, oh, shit, guys. And then the fog comes back and they kill him. And that's the end of the movie. Oh, it's such a good shot, right? Like, you can see them sort of appear behind him. He gets the sense that he that they're, that they're there. And he turns around just in enough time to see them, like, chop his head off. Yeah. It's pretty great. It's silly, though. It's almost like if no. he hadn't said anything, <laughs> oh, well, yeah, he would have been fine. Uh, also, sins of the father are not the sins of the son. I guess they're not religious. They're fishermen. He's hey. the religious one. <laughs> yeah, it's not their fault. They had to wait 100 years. If the life expectancy of the people that originally killed them was a, was 100 years or more, I'm sure they would have taken those six guys. That's true. They do not set the terms of their own curse. Yeah. Unless they did. <laughs> But they're like, okay, guys, what's super ominous? Like, let's break, let's brainstorm session here at the bottom of the sea. We killed our firstborns. Like, no, <laughs> no, that's, that's been, been done, done before. <laughs> what about like if we're like a weather pattern, like something to do with fishing? Like, what happens a lot with fishing? And then some idiots like rain. And we're like, it can't be rain. And we like acid rain. And then he's like fog. Like, we could just stand in it. Yeah, we don't have to get costumes. Perfect, right? <laughs> So what is your rating of The Fog? I mean, I know we shit on it a lot. Um, we didn't shit on it. We appreciated we? its storytelling devices. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I enjoy this movie. I think it's fun. Uh, but there's so much of this movie that could probably just go. And, you know, unfortunately, you read about John Carpenter sitting down for the first cut of the movie and realizing that himself. Like, oh, shit, there's like no movie here. So they went and did a bunch of reshoots and kind of did the best they could. Uh, I still like it, but I'm I'm going to give it a 2 out of 4. Yeah, I'm going to give it a 2 out of 4 just for, like, quality's sake. But it is a really fun movie to watch. Oh, yeah. And the, the design on the... I, I don't know whether to call them creatures or ghosts. Call them ghosts. Um, it's awesome. By the way, can we have another movie with, le like, zombie lepers? Or just leprosy. 
I'd like to see some more leprosy horror movies. Do you think zombies came out of leprosy? Depends on which zombie. We've already discussed that zombies can mean everything. No, I mean like when somebody would look, looked at lepers in a history book or just in the geography class, and they're like, "Oh, you know, it'd be great if they were also dead, <laughs> like, or they that came be, back from the dead." That would be really good for like an 18th century zombie movie. Oh, the leper. Oh, you if think they're lepers. if it's leprosy, and then you have zombies in like pilgrim towns and castles and. That sounds cool. There's gonna be a zombie movie about leprosy in the 18th century at some point because. There's a zombie movie about everything. But we're in this weird, like, let's do fantasy 18th century where it's just like Pride and Prejudice and zombies and Abraham Lincoln and zombies. And you're mm. like, why don't we just set something in that period? <laughs> like, We're going to have a Mary Antoinette and zombies soon. That sounds great. Like old aristocratic French zombies. I'm down. Yeah, but. Let them eat brains. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's a good tagline. Fuck. Fine. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> All right, moving on. We're going to talk about The Mist. What's going on? It's death. Something in the mist! Shut the doors! Shut the doors! The only way we're going to help ourselves is to seek rescue. Tie this around your waist. Or four. They'll let us know you got at least 300 feet. There's nothing out there. Nothing in the midst. What if you're wrong? Then I guess that joke would be on me. From 2007, directed by Frank Darabont, adapted from the Stephen King novella of the same name, The Mist is currently sitting at a 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb. 72% on Rotten Tomatoes, 2 out of 4 from Roger Ebert, and a 3.4 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Almost identical ratings as The Fog. We have spoken praises of this movie on this podcast before. Have we? I feel like we have. Have we t spoken praises about the movie or just the ending? See, and that's what I do not remember. Oh. I'm really hoping we weren't like, you guys have to see The Mist. It's actually surprisingly I, good. I don't know that we told people they had to. I'm sure everybody did. Because I'm now adjusting my rating on this movie, at least my internal rating and how I recommend this movie, yep. based on the ending alone, because I don't think I enjoyed the majority of this movie. I had a hard time with it, too. Um, I, for a long time now, I've been wanting to watch the black and white, sort of like monochrome noir version of this, because mm -hmm. it would make it look like an old-school sci-fi movie. And watching it this time, trying to picture what that would look like, I saw a lot of their performances. I saw that a lot of the performances would probably play better in black and white. Yes, and I thought the exact same thing because it's got this stiff quality that I normally attribute to adaptations because it's hard to ad adapt what people say in books mm -hmm. versus what they can say on the screen. If you're going, like, you're literally taking words from yeah, the Yeah, if you took a literal sentence from, like, it would play in the novella, but it won't necessarily play on screen because it might sound a little contrived. It might use too many words. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have the natural, like, dialect of somebody speaking. Yeah, because a, a book has to help you visualize something versus movies. It's a visual medium. You see it. So there's a lot less speaking that's needed. People don't really speak in full sentences all the time unless they're having a serious monologue. Yeah. Uh, and I noticed that with this, that it felt 
very stiff in that way. Mm-hmm. I thought at first that maybe Stephen King had written the screenplay, which yeah. might attribute for the writerliness of the of the dialogue. <laughs> but what you're saying totally makes sense is that, but maybe they were trying to make more of a 1940s film versus a 2007 film. And because it's in full color, we're not seeing it that way. We're just seeing, oh, this is very wordy yeah. and a little stiff. A lot of exposition. The characters are very... One note. Yeah, like... It- Unfortunately, it's not stylized enough. Yeah, well, in full color, it's not stylized enough for it to feel anything but like a TV show that's kind of on a budget is what it felt like to me. Which is unfortunate, because you can see they're definitely going for it. Like, Frank Darabon is a great screenwriter and an awesome director. He's done incredible work that you definitely see. Like, he did The Green Mile, The Shawshank Redemption. He wrote Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Like, the guy is involved in very good movies he knows what he's doing and i think there were were a lot of choices made in this movie that just didn't really work all that well Mm -hmm. for me i don't think there's any shortage of people out there that like the movie though 72 percent around tomatoes yeah i would like to know how many people saw the black and white version first i think it plays completely differently yeah and i read too that uh, Frank Darabon, he wanted to release it in black and white, but wasn't able to. So mm-hmm. they did a special edition Blu-ray or something yep. where it's available in black and white. Fucking smart. Now everybody's doing it. Logan's coming out in black and white. That's great. Yeah. I haven't seen it, but that's I'm all about black and white. I love black and white. Yeah, uh, Mad Max is out. I think they call it like carbite and chrome or something i'm always disappointed when we get a, a like a classic film and they've colorized it like colorizing is a a marvel of its time and stuff for for people to see older films in color that they never saw in color like and it's got this fun quality about it because everything is a um it's almost like somebody put cellophane over top of black and white and colored over it with translucent markers because yeah. everything is a wash of one color so all the blonde women are blonde yep. and they have Fairy blue blonde. eyes and their dresses are red or pink that is the hardest part about watching anything with Bing Crosby like his eyes are the <laughs> definition of blue and it's like they're an inhuman color of blue <laughs> he's like sparkling at you <laughs> like I, I guess I can understand why people fall in love with them in these movies because the only thing he's got going for him are gorgeous eyes I don't know and crooning yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except and also it wasn't publicized that he was mean to his children back then, so... Very mean to his children. So, as rumored by his children. <laughs> as rumored by the victims themselves. But yeah, so I'm very pro-black and white. I It's hard to to judge the basically the entire movie because it's a bunch of people stuck in, in a storefront. So what happens is we follow David Dray- Drayton? Drayton? Sure. He's an artist who's painting Stephen King covers <laughs> for a living. Yeah, we see, we see him working on a Dark Tower series. The Thing posters in the background. Yeah. But there's this huge storm because it's a uh, a sleepy ocean port town. And they didn't know a hurricane force wind was coming. Yeah. So the storm rolls in. They all like head to the cellar. A huge tree goes through, breaks the window, and the yard is like smashed up the next morning. And his wife remarks on like this strange mist rolling in. Like nobody oh. calls it a fog. 
that's the, the thing about both these movies is like it is it is the title alone like that is fog and this is mist and never the two should meet never no they, they go to an entire supermarket a large sampling of, of locals and vacationers and no one uses the word fog everyone ever. says mist no one like okay I could understand if there was a lot of water in the air you know like oh it's wet out there is mist, it's mist mist and fog are the same thing I don't think so I think so no, I get, I guess, but isn't mist supposed to be more like water vapor? What is fog then? Water vapor. <laughs> uh, mm, I well, fog it's is caused a cold from air front pressure, and a right? war- It's it's like a cold front and a warm front coming together. That's why, like, you can have like a really humid morning and you go to a cool area and it's foggy, or vice versa. <sighs> so either way, yeah, there's mist on the water, and sure it looks is. like pretty mist like it's very white and fluffy it looks very inviting but we've all seen the trailers and we know it's gonna get worse well and also she's like what is that mist why is that here that mist is so strange and it doesn't really make sense at first because you're like yeah it looks like i know we're in a horror movie but that mist looks pretty okay to me if that mist was coming from anywhere other than the mountain or the water it was over the water exactly it's where it should be (laughs) do not be alarmed Everything's fine. Be more scared about the goddamn trees coming through your window. Yeah, so they decide that they have to go into town yeah, and get some supplies because everybody's on, like, hurricane alert even though the storm has passed. Well, I think it's that there's no electricity and they have no, and they, like, there's no communication. Yeah, the maybe they're just getting canned goods and shit and they're like, we're probably going to be stranded here in our crap town for a few days. So everybody holds up at the supermarket. David brings his son, Billy, and goes with his mean neighbor that he doesn't really like. Well, his mean neighbor's very nice car has been smashed. And, mm. you know, just being a nice guy that uh, that David is, he offers him a ride uh, into town. And so once they're in the supermarket, somebody runs in and he is panicked and he's a little bit bloody and he's... He's, he's shouting things about the fog. There's something and, in the fog. It killed Charlie Daniels or something like that. Right as they close the door up, the fog rolls in. And you can hear screams of people outside. Like there is there is definitely something happening out there that they can't see and they can't explain. But they decide it's best to stay in and not go out. Except for um, one woman who's shopping there who has left her really young kids alone. She just came to grab something and she is the best line in the whole movie, where she says, won't someone walk um, a lady home? Oh, uh, yeah. But everybody's like, mmm. <laughs> it's really interesting that nobody offers, because I don't know that anything... Nothing serious has yeah. happened at this point. We haven't seen anything ominous or supernatural. You had that one guy who ran in all crazy, mm-hmm. and then the fog is super scary. Like, it's some serious... I mean, the mist okay. is super scary. It Watch has, your terms, Yeah, uh, it... The entire supermarket is a wall of windows, and it is white from floor to ceiling. Like, it's it's spooky mist. It's pretty scary. But yeah, nothing has really happened at that point. Yeah. And so the conflict level there seems a little... I don't know. Because later, not too long later, after that woman leaves on her own because nobody will go with her... They open the back door at the in the shipping room, and there's like tentacles trying to come in. Yeah. And when the guys that fought off the tentacles come to tell the people inside that they fought a tentacle monster, nobody believes them. No. And there's this huge like dissension between the management and then the workers and the mean neighbor and it's Yeah, there's a whole group of people that decide like this isn't so bad. We're gonna go, we're gonna get help. 
We'll just walk out and be fine. Why couldn't they do that with that poor lady? <laughs> yeah, and then there's one lone crazy woman who's saying that this is 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 our day of reckoning. This is revelations. This is end times. God has come to kill us all. And can I say, always my least favorite character in a movie. Yeah. I find it so annoying, I guess. I don't know what it is. I get so tired of it so fast. And it might be because there's no shortage of those people in real life, maybe. Well, and they get a lot of screen time just to spew their whatevers. Yeah. And she does... Be so she ends up being the main antagonist of the oh, film. Yeah. Because these movies are not about the monsters and the mist or whatever the paranormal thing. It's mm -hmm. about how humanity deals with it inside. And this is a small sampling of humanity. We have the nice painter guy, his sort of love interest, the teacher uh, played by Laurie Holden, mm. who is one of the several people from The Walking Dead that's oh, in this movie. Oh, yeah. Like, the, the casting director for this movie definitely went directly to AMC afterward. It was like, hey, I got a cast <laughs> for you. Well, and this movie's kind of has similar parallels to, like, a zombie infestation. You have them doing, like, a mission to go get supplies and stuff. Yeah. So you kind of see how how you could cast people from this movie to that show. That makes sense. In in any of these situations where there is just a danger that is unstoppable, uh, you, you're left with nothing but fear and how that fear turns people against each other. Yeah, but the only, the only issue I take with that is the characters inside this store either like perfectly good or totally bad. The Miss Carmody is the Ugh. the religious um, zealot. Yeah. She's the super religious one, and she's kind of slowly gaining followers. This entire ordeal is only two days, and she turns half the store who are is either... Is it only two days? It is only two days. Oh. Yeah, oddly enough, I'm thinking like, no, nah, it had to be like four days. <laughs> If anything, Damn. this this movie is trying to say how weak-willed humans are if they can be converted to murderous levels of religion in two days of confinement. And it's not even terrible confinement. They have ice cream, they have bread, they have crisps. They are in a good spot. I mean, yeah. it does have a lot of windows. I get and that's then, a little scary. They've all, got, they've all got families out there that they're all worried about because clearly there are, like, they've learned there are definitely monsters. Yeah, but there are definitely people in situations in this mist, in this town, that don't have water or food. Yeah. So they got two necessities covered, and they got shelter. Like, they are doing okay. Yeah. And they, and they have a generator. And a gun! They've got a gun! They do have a gun. With six bullets that last a very long time. No, they had 12 bullets. They had two rounds. My mistake. They have 12 bullets. They fire, in this movie, maybe a bunch 36 of shots. shots. Yeah. <laughs> do you think they had ammunition at the store? Like, they didn't sell... It's just a grocery so. store. No. No. They've got a... Pharmacy. It could have been more equipped because if it was like a touristy town, those grocery stores kind of double as a bunch of things. Like we went to we went to Port Hope yesterday and I was in a grocery store that was also a Starbucks. It was a pharmacy. It had like a home health care in it. And they had some serious shit in the aisles. It was like a full grocery store, but it was just a, like a pharmacy. Living that Walmart life. It was it was kind of a nice everything. It's like we're going back to department stop. stores now. At least for tourist towns, because you just have like a one stop shop. For, yeah. Like I need firewood, and I also need my ammunition for my gun. And God damn it! I'm not going to two places. <laughs> and we need mangoes. <laughs> so yeah, Mrs. Carmody like converts half the store. And pretty quickly. 
there's only like six people who don't follow her thing. Yeah, by the end of it, yeah. Which it like escalates so quickly, though. Yeah, and the, their whole deal is that uh, God is not happy unless He has given blood. We're going back to the blood but that sacrifice. Came all time. of a sudden, she was just so. What happens is that the first night, because they've set up all these lamps, mm-hmm. giant mosquito monsters, yeah, come and are banging on the windows, it and then bigger away. ones come and break eat the those, windows yeah. to eat the uh. mosquitoes. Uh, one guy gets totally eaten. They they shoot a couple of them, which looks really cool. But one flies right up to Mrs. Carmody, and because she doesn't move, mm. like that will be done. It nonsense. leaves her, and so because she has proven herself as a worthy disciple of the good faith. Yeah, it's probably just because she was calm, obviously. And I don't think she moved. Mm. They're obviously attracted to the light. She wasn't holding a lantern, so yeah, good point. So she seems to think that she's the chosen one. She's God's disciple. And she's going to run with it. <laughs> yeah. And, and so everybody is looking at her word as scripture. She's decided that anytime somebody dies, there is a period of peace. And of course, like as the violence escalates, more peace. So more violence, more peace. Like the, the only way for us to survive is to sacrifice the boy. Like they start killing people pretty goddamn quickly. And, uh, but there's a lot of weird internal conflict that just, like, I get it because you're trying to keep the movie exciting, even though these people are just stuck in this one building. Like, the biker guy tries to go out and they put a rope around him. That's and then cool he gets severed in half. That scene is pretty great. With well, yeah, rope. because you see the rope starts to go fast. We expect that. Cool. He's been picked up. He's running. The but then the <laughs> rope goes up, like, way fucking high in the air. Yeah. It's genius. And then they start pulling it back, and it's a little lighter than it should be, and then it's red, and then it's goopy, and, and then, then there's even, though there's a, even though there's a bunch of kids there, and we've already seen a bunch of blood, they just, like, keep pulling it closer, and then everybody starts screaming. Yeah, once you got at least 30 feet of blood on that rope, I don't know if it's worth pulling like maybe back. let's just DOA. Yeah. <laughs> I do have to say, though, that I don't like the lead character in this. I really like the actor. He's, he looks like he's a really nice guy. He looks perfect to play that nice dad role. Yeah, Thomas Jane's really cool. But he didn't really... His character doesn't have a lot of opportunity to be anything but, like, a good dad. Yeah. And there's a bunch of scenes where he's just holding his son and being a good dad. And we revisit it so many times that you're just like, I get it, he's a good dad. Yeah, he grabs a comic book for him when they go running for supplies at the pharmacy. P.S. When they go to the pharmacy, that's gotta be the coolest scene of the movie. It felt like a video game mission. It was like, okay, yeah. we need to get... Because some guy gets burned. Some guy gets, like, serious burns. I don't even remember where. Was it with the bug? Because they, oh, it's because they were torching mops and shit. Yeah, that's why. So they need morphine because this guy is just in the most extreme pain. He is covered in third degree burns. He was engulfed in flames because the the mop bucket that was full of gasoline got tipped over and right. he lit himself on fire, basically. So they're going to go get morphine. They're going to grab a few other things that they need and whatever food they can find. But we come across like the fucking most mutated spiders you've ever seen in your entire life. And they're hosting inside the bodies of the people that were in the pharmacy. Oh, man. Who are still alive. Yeah, when that MP officer is basically like, I'm sorry, it's our fault, we didn't mean to. And then he's like, I could I, I, I could feel them. And then they like, you just see his skin start to crawl before oh, they start to like burst out of his skin. This is making me itchy. There's a spider yeah. in the bathroom, by the way, that you have to get. Okay. I'll put he's that up by the light. Yep. <laughs> I just don't spend a lot of time in the sink. <laughs> I'll just put that on the to-do list and we'll take care of it later. <laughs> it had today. a thing on its butt, and I was like, that what? looks like a, like a marking. And I was like, that looks like it could be poisonous. <laughs> 
So I left him. You got close enough to, to give me field notes on the bug, but you couldn't I just... drew a diagram. You, I have a fork... It's taped to the bathroom door. The <laughs> <laughs> warning spider. Looks like this. <laughs> Answers to Ray. <laughs> All right. This could very well be the last episode of Nightmare on Full Street. I would not make it out. <laughs> They're back for all of five minutes before uh, before Miss Carmody. So they come back and Dave like passes out. This was a traumatic experience for him. When he wakes well, up, well, a few people die too. So they well, went to yeah, go get more for one guy who's dying, and then a few people die in exchange. Yeah, and uh, in in that brief nap he has, where he's he's wasted away most of the day. A bunch of people have killed themselves. <laughs> yeah, some people have killed themselves, and a large portion of the group. I, I would say the majority of, of the people in that supermarket have converted over to Miss Carmody's nonsense. Well, and he wakes up and also finds out that the guy that they got morphine for died during the day. Yeah. And then the woman, this happened the night before, I think, the woman that was babysitting his son in the aisles of the grocery store while he fought with, with other people, um, she kills herself. She takes whatever prescriptions she had. Yep. Two of the army guys that were locked in the store hang themselves in the back. And you're like... Yeah. More people are dying of suicide in this movie than of monsters. Yeah, more people die of suicide and murder than than die of monsters. Definitely. Yeah, or or. Oh, I think they almost entirely die of suicide. I think there's one or two that die via monster and murder, but it's kind of like they they stab them a few times and then they throw them outside for the monster to get. Yeah. So tensions inside the grocery store come to a head. And when it's revealed that the one remaining army guy. Mm-hmm knows something they are working in a what do you call it, like a fort up on the hill yeah some sort of military base they were using they created some sort of portal to try and communicate with other dimensions and yada yada and instead of making a window we made a door yeah all right <laughs> cool they tried to make a stargate cool. basically and uh yeah something came through obviously some big things came through yeah they weren't there for it they these guys were on like shore leave or something and they weren't supposed to be back for 10 days but uh yeah shit's gone down and it's it's come it's our day of reckoning i suppose um, <laughs> stop saying that uh, it's this so this is this other dimension how does it I would like to to think about being those monsters, and they're just chilling. They're just in a grocery store. We don't get to know. Yeah, no, I know we don't get to know, but wouldn't it be great if those monsters were just, like, chilling on their own planet, eating each other, and then all of a sudden... They obviously are. They have a hierarchy. Yeah, and then there was just this small door, and they're like, hey, there's some gooey guys in there. Let's go (laughs) see how they taste. (laughs) And then they just kept flooding in. It's pretty funny. But they've decided, uh, David and the group, they've decided they're going to collect some supplies. They're going to sneak off in the morning. After they murder that army guy. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, they, they, they That's what I was him. getting to. I was like, are you going to say that they they murder the army guy? They stab him. Yeah, they stab him several times and they throw him outside. Uh, the guy who's probably most responsible for that is um, a local loaf about who seemed pretty traumatized after going to the pharmacy and seeing all Yeah, he spiders. was sort of on the good guy's side, but he was kind of, like, lazy about it, and they made him, and it then he turned completely. Just goes to show him that we all have our breaking point. It's and true. as much as we don't want to be that person. And for everybody in that grocery store, it was two days. Yeah. <laughs> for Dave and the rest, two and a half days. Maybe three. Yeah, two but they two days two. plus a full gas of tank. They broke two, though. Their breaking point was like, okay, we got to get out of here. I think that was because everybody went crazy religious, but... Yeah, two- I, don't, I don't know if it's their breaking point so much as that they just, like, we need to survive, and they're going to kill us because we're the, we're the only ones that aren't on their side. 
They'll kill us first, then they'll start killing each other. Yeah, so there was about eight of them that they sneak out. Oh, yeah. Only after, um, so they try to sneak out really early in the morning, but Mrs. Carpenter's just sitting there in front of the door like, nah, you're not. Nah. They try to get them to sacrifice the son and Amanda, the love interest, but not love interest because he's married. Because she doesn't like them, that's all it is. Yeah. She just doesn't like them at all. And then Ollie, who's the assistant manager, who was in Barbarian Sound Studio. Yeah, Toby Jones. He He's shoots... He's good in everything he's in. He shoots Mrs. Carmody. He sure does. <laughs> and then she dies. And everybody's secretly like... So great. And then she falls in like a Christ pose. And the, but so I know. I don't um, talk about it. But then everybody else, the rest of the store just like retreats behind the aisles. We're like, oh, what do we do? They we killed lost, the queen. We lost our leader. We can't possibly be religious now. Yeah, so it just goes to show how flimsy their belief was. That's mm-hmm. the idea, right? Uh, their plan is to run to David's car, which is. Closer than the biker's car. That's what their logic is. It's like, it'll be fine. His car was 200 meters. Mine is only 100 meters. And we know that you can see so many monsters in the mist that you, you couldn't possibly make a difference between that. Well, he's he knows where his car is. He he tells them where it is. He's got the keys. I think that's the most important part, right? Yeah. Like, and they have one gun. Yeah, one gun. And eight people. <laughs> Unfortunately, only six of them... Five of them? A bunch of them do not make it. Yeah, only five of them make it to the car, including David and his son. Um, they make it out okay, um, and, but, and then they just start driving. Just driving in the mist. Well, they're going... First, they go to David's house to see how his wife's doing. And she's like, oh, hey, the spiders got me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a mummy. They don't go to anybody <laughs> else's house. No, they don't take... Like, nobody no. else has family. We establish that other people are married and stuff, but they're like, fuck it. <laughs> Um, oh, no, then, her husband's out of town. That's what oh, it is. That's why she's got a gun. So, and then they just start driving, and they get on the highway, and it's it's pretty empty, and then as soon as I was like, why aren't there any other cars? Then we see a school bus where all the windows are busted out, and everything is webby, and there's, like, one mummified kid in there, and you're like, cool. Wicked. That's great. <laughs> they're running out of gas, and they're in the middle of nowhere, and they can hear monsters. Like, they are big-ass monsters. So they decide that... Rather than letting the monsters come get them, they're just gonna kill themselves. Yeah. And then it's when they rough. when they open the gun to see how many bullets are remaining, which should be zero or negative. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know though. Like maybe there actually were only like a few shots used. Like maybe they were actually pretty good about it, but it's it, it really felt like they they were firing willy nilly. I feel like they overshot. Yeah. <laughs> but there were only four bullets left and there are five people. Thus is probably one of the best endings, I think, of a, I want to say a Stephen King story, but I don't want to get yelled at because I know it's not in the novella like that. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> uh, re- it's a really great ending. It's a very big surprise. Oh, yeah. It's shocking. I remember we, we, when we first watched the movie, we were probably just like playing board games or something. Like, oh, this movie's all right, I guess. Whatever. What the fuck was that ending? Yeah. Like that movie, sh- the ending of this movie shakes you. It's rough. Yeah. Because he's killed everybody, including his son, but he has no bullet for himself. Like, that scene where he is just screaming and unloading an empty gun into his mouth, like, hoping that there's just another bullet in there for some reason. The wailing in that scene is really weird. Because it's almost silly, and it's a little over-emotional, and that's my same feelings for um, Alex Wolf in Hereditary, where there's so many scenes where he's 
almost overacting his despair, but because this, it's so traumatizing for his character, it makes sense mm. for somebody to to lose themselves in their screaming or their wailing or their crying, and you lose kind of masculinity or you lose you lose any self-awareness of how loud or how silly you sound. Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't see that a lot when people are acting despair. No, you just see it in real life. Yeah, no, that's, you do see it in real life. That's the fucked up part. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but, oh, wait, what? Fog rolls away, tanks are here, military's coming. With, like, flame flower with flamethrowers, and they are clearing out the monsters. And there's trucks upon trucks of survivors. Yep, including that lady from the beginning who left to go get her two kids. Yeah. It's such a fucking good ending. Wow. And it's... I'm really interested to see, hear how you rate this film, and I'd like to hear your rating of the ending separately. Oh, okay. You can know, you can rate the film with the ending, but I want to know what your rating is if you were just rating the ending. That's hard to say. Uh, I will at least say that um, the ending in the novella is pretty similar. I think the I, if I remember correctly, they established that it would be better to shoot ourselves uh, than die by the hands of these monsters. But they're going to sit here and keep calling out on a CB radio, hoping that, that somebody hears their answer. Mm. Or hoping that somebody hears them and answers. And it, I think it just ends with him saying, like, hello, hello, into a radio or something like that. But you you get the sense that if if things get worse, he's going to kill himself and his kid. Mm. But it never actually happens. It's just very ambiguous. Which I think works better for a book. I really think it works better for a book. I think if the ending of the movie was in the book, it wouldn't be nearly as good. Because it wouldn't hit you as hard. You don't expect that kind of ending in a movie. And in a book... Ambiguity is not bad because the entire book is in your head. It's in your imagination. So you're constantly visualizing. visualizing. Yeah. So like for you to visualize a potential ending is sometimes even scarier. It's, it's, it's great. It's genius. Well, and you, in books too, they leave because you've been invested in a book longer than a movie. Yeah. You are more invested in the characters technically. And you finish a book, nobody goes into doing something else. Like, you sit and you think on that book for a little bit, or you go to talk to somebody. But, like, when you finish a book, you can't just get up and do something because your head is spinning with that world. Like, yeah. you have to, like, digest it. With a movie, you could essentially, like, leave the movie theater and go to dinner. Yeah, and then never think of it again. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that's a really good point. Uh, what is your rating? My rating. My rating for this movie is a two out of four. I think it's fun. I like creature feature stuff. But it's missing something. And I really hate Miss Carmody. But I, I try not to give it any sort of um, negative rating for that because it's doing exactly what it's setting out to. I am not supposed to like Miss Carmody. I know, but you're supposed to enjoy watching the movie and any of the parts with her. I'm like, ugh. Yeah, I really don't want to. Like, I just shudder and I just, like, I can't wait for her to stop talking. But yeah, overall, it's a good movie. It's a good fucking movie. And that ending really brings it up that ending for me is like a three to four out of four i don't even know because it's just so goddamn dark and it ends on like the worst possible point like we don't see him get collected and brought to a mental institution where he lives the rest of his days in a rocking chair it's just we are just in that fucking moment yeah uh i think i'm gonna give the movie a one and a half out of four yeah for all the reasons that we said if it was black and white i would probably be higher i would probably be like a two or a two and a half out of four uh, the ending for me is a four out of four. Yeah, no surprise. If it didn't have that ending, I don't 
think I would revisit the movie. Can you imagine if it had that if it had that ambiguous ending? Or if it had like they all get rescued, I would have been like, fuck it. Or yeah, he shoots movie. he shoots the three of them, the three adults, and just as he's about to shoot his son, because for whatever reason he's left his son for last, then the, the military come and save the day. You'd have to do your son first. Well yeah. Like I mean if you were in that position and like this is what you're doing, like you wouldn't want to work yourself up to doing that. You'd no. probably just be like, duh. Well yeah, because first off, you're gonna wake him up. You don't want him to know it's and coming. And he was waking That's up. That's the fucking worst part about that I ending. Know. The kid wakes up and sees it. Ugh. So dark. Yeah, it's uh That is like you need a shower after watching that scene. You're just like, oh What if he just selfishly shot himself? <laughs> Four times. <laughs> <laughs> Also, can we just say, like, I'm not saying, like, oh, you you old people, you've lived a long life, you should kill everybody else and let yourself go to the monsters. Um, but why are you going to let the guy who's killed his kid live? That's my, anybody else in that yeah, car. Yeah, that says a lot about the three adults in the car. <laughs> yeah, like, I know he's the leader, and I know it's just, like, we don't have the strength or the, the will to do this. Like, you're the only person strong enough, but... Still. They don't really talk about it, though. There's not a lot of dialogue. There. No, there's not a like, lot of, like, okay, shifty let's, eye glances. Let's break this down. Kid for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Women and children first. So, Amanda, you're in. Yeah. Uh, I guess that means you, old lady. It's between me and you, old man. How's your ticker? <laughs> and he's like, um, not really, great. really, really good. Really good. Yeah. But let us know what you thought of both films over on Twitter at NOFS Podcast or in our Facebook group that is facebook.com slash groups slash horror fiends of NOFS. We are controlling transmission. This week's episode of Nightmare on Film Street is brought to you by Deadly Grounds. Coffee to die for. Made from 100% Arabica beans, Deadly Grounds is horror-themed gourmet coffee without any fancy names or titles. This week's blend is the Tropical Terror, a summer coffee flavored with coconut and orange. Close your eyes, take a sip, and slip away to a tropical terror paradise. Head over to getdeadly.ca to pick up your brew and use the promo code NIGHTMARE to get 15% off at checkout. That's promo code NIGHTMARE at getdeadly.ca. Also, if you're going to be in the greater Toronto area at the end of the month, Kim and I will be hosting horror trivia at the Deadly Grounds Cafe in Curtis, Ontario. It's Friday, August 31st. Come on out, have some fun, test your horror knowledge, and sample all the Deadly Grounds blends. For more details, head over to facebook.com slash nightmare on film street. We're going to stick around for a few more minutes. We're going to play a little game that I put together called Kill All Ye Faithful, in which we're going to decide whether or not religion was used for nefarious purposes or whether it saved the day. You can listen to that and all of the other bonus content that we have, every bonus game, every additional Drive Home from the Drive-In review at patreon.com slash Nightmare on Film Street. But that's it from us. I'm Kim. I'm John. Stay, Stay creepy. creepy. It appears you made it out alive. Just long enough to tell the tale of the nightmare on Film Street. Ow! Help us grow the horde. Leave a review on iTunes or wherever you subscribe. Continue this week's conversation on Twitter by following at 
N-O-F-S podcast. And as always, more terror can be found lurking on our website, www.nightmareonfilmstreetpodcast.com. Until next week, stay creepy, fiends. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.